confession, we're going to bow our heads and we're going to say a word of prayer. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you, we love you, we honor you, we appreciate you. Thank you for all that you are, all that you mean, God. I pray that you would think through my mind, speak through my mouth, God. Let it be all of you, less of me. Let the people be eternally touched and blessed. Let no one's coming be in vain. And we thank you and we praise you and we love you and bless my son at home. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, my son, I told him to go ahead and watch us online, but he had uh, wisdom teeth surgery, and so uh, he's recovering. So we pray that he'll, he will be well, as well as all those people who could make it because of health reasons. We pray that they will be just fine. All right, Bible's in our hands. Repeat after me. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. Glory to God. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple. Where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Father God, feed me your word. Amen. Go ahead and put your hands together this morning. Glory to God. So this is February. and something I normally do and haven't done in a while. I usually just don't get a chance to get around to it. But I like to at some point throughout the year at least touch on relationships a little. So today we're just going to simply uh, do something called relationship nuggets just dropping some nuggets on relationship. Relationships are vitally important. So you just want to give you some nuggets. So I, I want to uh, read this quote that I've written. And it simply is this, is relationships are important to God. Therefore, they ought to be important to us. Relationships expose who we really are at our core. When I say relationships, I'm not just talking about the male-female relationship. I'm talking about any relationship. Now, we're going to spend a lot of time today uh, talking about the male-female relationship and talking about real women, real men. But I'm throwing out the idea that relationships are important to God in general. And uh, as I shared about being at funerals and, and as many funerals, this is the ninth one I've attended since October. So... It's just impacted in my mind how important relationships are. Stop taking people for granted. People in your life, moms, dads, sisters, brothers, cousins, friends, co-worker, pastor, member, whatever. Don't, Don't take people for granted. This is too serious of a day and age. And people are in your life many times for either a season or a reason or both. And the Bible says, how can you say you love God that you can't see? When you don't love the people you see every day. So relationships are vitally important and exposes who you are at the core. Before I move on, let me say that some people are only in relationship with others based on what they can get from them. 
Some people are very selfish in the way they respond to people. In other words, if you can't do for them. In other words, if, if I don't have a car and you have a car, I'm only your friend as long as you can take me everywhere I want to go. But the moment you say, I can't take you, I got to do something else, then I'm mad at you. I'll run your name all down Facebook. So basically, you never like me. You just like my car. Don't be that type of Christian. Relate to people just because of who they are. And be good to people. And be there for people. And when you're up, make sure someone else is up with you. That way, when you're down, someone will come down and help you out. And some people say, Pastor, I was down and didn't nobody help me out. I, I hate that. But really, some of that is not God. It's not the devil. It's karma coming back around in your life. So so relationships are important. Let's let's define uh, what a relationship is. Uh, one, the way in which two or more people or groups regard and behave toward each other. The way you behave toward each other. Two, the state of being connected. And three, which most people think of, especially with Valentine's coming up, and in, an emotional and sexual association between two people. And so we're going to try to touch on those things in uh, dropping a few nuggets. And we're going to go to 1 Samuel 25. Now, this is uh, going to be an expository message. Expository means I'm on, only going to stay in one chapter. I'm not going to be topical. I'm not going to jump around to other uh, things. I may think of other verses, but I'm going to be staying in one chapter. And it's not a what you would call a relational chapter. So normally, on a time like this, I'd preach on Ruth or preach on Song of Solomon. But I don't just like preaching the same thing all the time. I like to go in different places and grab things to make truths. And so what we're going to do, we're going to drop in a, a time in David's life that doesn't seem like a relationship piece, but there's a lot of wisdom in it that I think is very vital for us. So Mother Mitchell, would you start reading 1 Samuel 25.1? We're going to try to cover the entire chapter or the, or the bulk of the chapter. Now Samuel died. And all Israel gathered for his funeral. They buried him at his house in Ramah. Then David moved down to the wilderness of Moab. Hopefully many of you Bible scholars already know who Samuel was, the prophet. I don't want to cover it and who Samuel meant to David. I don't want to cover all that. But I do want to leave this point that I think is, is vital, especially with what we've been seeing lately. Point number one. This is very important for you to understand. Would you bring that up for me? Watch how a person responds when great people die. When you are in relationship with someone, watch how they handle death, especially when great people die. Oh, my goodness, I heard Nelson Mandela passed away. Oh, he did. Oh, that's bad. You want to play Donkey Kong? I mean, I don't mind playing Donkey Kong, but did you hear what I just said? Nelson Mandela passed away. He's a great man. Being young, I still have talked to people who still remember where they were when JFK died. Remember what was going on in their life when Martin Luther King was assassinated. When great people pass away, always, always pay attention to how a person responds. When a person is flippant, when greatness dies, something is wrong with their mentality. Because one thing you need to understand when a great person dies. So when someone says, Bishop Mitchell passed away. Oh, that's fine. Andre will do okay. No, let's pause for a second 
and let's celebrate who Bishop Mistral was. Let's, let's not rush past that because when greatness exits the earth, what we have to understand is mantles are not for the heaven, mantles are for the earth. So when great people go, they leave their greatness in the earth. And so when a great person dies, a person who has wisdom is always reflective and always thoughtful because there is a legacy to pick up. There's a torch that's being passed. There is a baton that is being handled. When you watch runners in a race, I don't care how fast the first, second, and third person is, if the fourth person, if he bobbles the baton, they more than likely will lose the race. You have to be very careful when mantles are being passed so when a great person dies, pay attention to what the people around you are doing because you may be in relationship with the wrong people. And not just when their loved ones died, but just in general. And and uh, the somberness that when when people handle death. Now, I understand that, that uh, and I was just watching it yesterday, I, I was at a wake, and I understand that normally when a person dies, you end up seeing people you haven't seen in a long time. So you, you, you're coming to... to honor the deceased, but you see, oh, I haven't seen them in a while. But I'm careful to how joyous I act in that moment because somebody right next to me is still grieving. So you, you, you got family members grieving, the other four laughing. <laughs> Ooh, I ain't seen you in a long time. Boy, you getting fat. This ain't the time for all that. Somebody has died. Wait till you get outside the church and maybe y'all can do all that kiki and cackling, but there's somebody else who's lost a loved one. When people die and folk don't respect it, I wonder, am I in the relationship with the right person? So David acted a certain way because Samuel had passed on. Let's continue to read. Let's look at verse 2. The, sh- the scene is shifting. There was a wealthy man from Maon who owned property near the town of Carmel. Oh, he, he, he was from Indiana. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. And it was sheep-shearing time. No, there's a Carmel uh, back in that day in in the land of Israel. And so he was a wealthy man. One of the first things the Bible tells us is his wealth. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. Back then, the sheep and the goats was a part of the, the type of job that he had. So he was a wealthy man. Number two, this is important. Watch how a person acts in seasons of abundance. Some of you say, I can't wait to date a wealthy man. Pastor, I want a sugar daddy. Woo. But pay attention to how a person acts in seasons of abundance. For example, when you date them and you go out with them and they take you to a nice, fine restaurant, obviously they have the money to take you there or they wouldn't have took you there. So don't pay attention to the restaurant. Pay attention to how they treat the waiter and how they treat the waitress. Don't be so excited that you're at Ruth Chris that you don't pay attention to how do they treat everybody else that they don't need. Because at one moment, they may not need you. And how they're being rude to the waitress, they might be rude to you. Don't get caught up in the steak and the wine and the dessert that you don't pay attention to how people act in seasons of abundance. When people are in seasons of abundance, they should be very giving. 
If you raise your level of abundance and you become wealthy and everybody around you is beneath you, I don't need to be in relationship with you. Oh, they stepped on my toes. Don't they know that pastor wears red bottom shoes and they had the nerve to step on my toes? But what about Jesus? The Bible says a woman crawled and reached to grab the hem of her, his garment. He wasn't so sedity that he didn't know how to reach people. When people are in seasons of abundance and they don't handle it well, you might be in a relationship with the wrong person. Some people say we started on the bottom, now we're here. But I need to know how you act now you're here. Don't forget that you were on the bottom. Don't, don't, don't forget what it was like to eat a $2.99 hamburger Happy Meal. Don't, don't forget how that felt. Don't forget where you are when you get the wealth. And the reason why I say that, because I believe some of y'all are always are going to grow and gradually move into more wealth. Just don't get the big head when you get the wealth. All right. Somebody say, I won't get the big head. All right, point number three. And I've said this already, and I'll just bring it home with the point. Watch how a person acts when they feel they don't need others. As long as people need others, they're so kind, they're so sweet, they're so nice, they talk to people so nice, they open doors for people, they say thank you. But when they don't need folk, it's a different story. When they need you, they call you and say, oh, Mother Mitchell, how are you doing? I'm just checking on you. See, how I, I, I know you lost your husband. I'm just checking on to see how you, you're doing. Uh, how's your garden? How's your house? How's your, how's your health? How's your blood pressure? And by the way, can you take me to the store when you get a chance? But when they don't need you, they can't find your number. They don't know who you are. They don't know your name. They don't know nothing about you. And then when they call you, they're not as sweet. What you doing, Joyce? Wait a second. It was Mother Mitchell a few days ago. Now it's Joyce, what happened? Well, you don't need me, so don't be that type of person. And if you're in relationship with that type of person, you have to be very careful. All right, let's continue to read. I'm dropping a whole bunch of nuggets and wisdom today. First Samuel 25 and 3. This man's name was Nabal, and his wife Abigail was a sensible and beautiful woman. But Nabal, a descendant of Caleb, was crude. And mean in all his dealings. So we got two people juxtaposed here. We have a sensible and beautiful woman named Abigail. And then we have the wealthy man they were talking about. His name was Nabal. And he was from the family of Caleb. And what people know about the family of Caleb, they was a little rough around the edges. You, you, you know, I'm going to use my name that way. I don't step on anybody's toes. But people would say, you know, he's a Mitchell. And what, when they say that, they're actually trying to warn you. Some, 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 some young girls and young boys don't get it. And they say, hey, I, I got a new boyfriend. I got a new girlfriend. And they say, who is it? It's so-and-so. Well, what's their last name? And when they tell you their last name, you don't mean to judge folk, but you try to warn them. Everybody I know from that last name is a little rough. I ain't trying to tell you what to do, but the Mitchells is these type of people. And so the family of Caleb was these type of people, baby. Here's the difference about Abigail. Back in those days, the woman didn't have a choice. Now y'all get to pick. But back then, there were arranged marriages. So the woman just had to go with whoever paid the highest price to the daddy. So Abigail was stuck with somebody who wasn't the best. The Bible said he was mean and he was crude. That brings me to... 
point number four from that verse. Point number four is this. Beauty will never trump sense because the Bible says she was sensible and she was beautiful. It talked about her beauty last, her sense first. Let me talk to you young men just for a second. Some of the most beautiful women with the best bodies is the craziest folk you ever want to meet in your life. And I don't care how good they look, the crazy will drive you away. You got to put stock in sense first. Beauty cannot trump sense. Let me say it to you women too, because some of y'all are visually inspired. Them six-pack abs don't mean nothing when he's crazy as a bat in the middle of darkness. He's just lost as lost can be. As wild as sin on a Sunday morning. I'm talking about crazy. Listen, I don't care how beautiful they are, how handsome they are, how good they smell. Beauty can't trump crazy. Let's go back to the point. Beauty will never trump sense. And here's another point. Wealth can never trump crudeness. Now, I didn't accidentally spell trump with a big T on this one. That was not an accident. Y'all can make up your own mind on what I'm trying to say. But wealth can't trump crudeness. I don't care how much money you, you have. That don't mean you can be crude, mean, and evil to people. So if your sugar daddy is mean and nasty because he got money, you with the wrong person. You don't have sugar, you got splendor, baby. You got, you got a splendor daddy. <laughs> Sweet and low daddy. All right, moving right along. First Samuel 25, 4 through 5. When David heard that neighbor was shearing his sheep, he sent 10 of his young men to Carmel with this message for Nabal. And David heard that Nabal was shearing his sheep. So shearing his sheep was harvest time. In General Motors, they call it profit sharing. This was the time where there was abundance. It was a season of abundance. Not only was he wealthy, but this was the end of the year where money was in. Let me put it this way. This was tax season. All, Uncle Sandon paid for all the dependents, baby, and money is flowing in. All right, let's look at verse 6. Peace and prosperity to you, your, your family, and everything you own. So let me, let's, let's paint the picture. David was out in the field. He was in a situation where he had been running from Saul, and so he sends his men to Nabal, knowing this is the time where there's actually uh, extra wealth extra abundance and he sends his men to uh, Nabal to request something of him and the first thing David asks, let's put that scripture back up, the first thing he says in verse 6 is peace and prosperity to you, your family and everything you own. I do have something to ask you but the first thing I'm concerned about is everything that's going on in your life. So let's put, that brings up uh, point number 5. How men talk to other men of power it's vitally important. Let me talk to you women just for a second. Pay attention to the man you're dating, how he talks to other men who are maybe have more money than him, more power than him. And let me give you something. And, and men, I don't mean to tell on us, but I'm about to tell on us. Men are very insecure. We hide it with a lot of stuff, but we're very insecure. And we always know there's a pecking order. A man always knows when there's another man who 
outranks him in another way. And a weak man will find a way to tear the better man down. But a wise man does not mind celebrating another man. He may have more power than me. If I'm in a place with my wife and a man is preaching, going crazy, I don't get mad. I'll say, baby, that's one preaching brother there. Boy, I wish I could preach like him. Maybe one day God will anoint me to preach like him. Or maybe I may not be under him. I'm on the same level. I don't mind celebrating another man because I'm secure in who I am. I see a brother. He got some nice Jordans on. I don't know why he's spending all that money on them Jordans. Maybe because he got the money to do it. Maybe the reason why you're mad is because you don't have the money to do it. Don't, don't ever pull somebody else down just because you don't have something. And pay attention, women, to how a man talks to another man, especially a man in authority. I'm going to turn a corner on you in just for a second. Now, I understand police brutality. I do not like it. I do not appreciate it. I've done things behind the scenes to help it. But sometimes when you're in the car with a man and he gets pulled over by a cop, pay attention to how he talks. Sometimes the police are being rude and they're acting ugly, but sometimes they're not the first person to act ugly. You driving 95 in a 40 and when the cop pull you over, what you pull me over for? You know why he pulled you over. Don't, don't act a fool. Just, just be humble. Go ahead and I'm not saying that you have to allow somebody to talk negative to you. But when you're in the wrong, learn how to operate. And some of y'all women are so in love, you don't pay attention to all the signals and all the signs. And God is showing you all the time. God send me a sign when, when he cussed out everybody at the grocery store. That was your sign. Woo, my baby sure can't cuss, can't he? You thinking about the wrong stuff. God is showing you signs. So David was a warrior. David was a fighter. But when David approaches the wealthy man, he approached him with all the respect in the world. Now, let, let, let me say this also. I'm a pastor. And because I'm a pastor, I'm a leader. But pay attention how your pastor treats other men. Some pastors make sure all the other men in the congregation are well beneath them. That's the wrong pastor. That's the wrong leader. The men in the place ought to be celebrated because men don't come to church to begin with. So when I have men coming to church, they ought to be celebrated. I'm not the only man that should get shine in the building. Having said that, women, would you clap for every man in this building? Thank God for the man. Nothing like a man. Nothing like a godly man. Nothing like a man who knows the Lord. Amen. All right. Let's, let's keep going. First Samuel 25 and 7. Read, read that verse. I am told that it is sheep shearing time. I hear it's prophet shearing time. Come on. While your shepherds stayed among us near Carmel, we never harmed them. And nothing was ever stolen from them. It's tax time, but by the way, when y'all was around us, we made sure y'all were taken care of. Verse 8. Ask your own men, and they will tell you this is true. So would you be kind to us, since we have come at a time of celebration? Please share any provisions you might have on hand with us 
And with your friend David. Since it's harvest time, since it's extra, I'm not asking you to take anything that's, that you just have in your, your regular, but since it's a surplus time, since this is abundance time, and we've been kind to you, and I'm not saying that you owe us, but you owe us. And so I'm coming to see, can you share something with my men? Let's look at point number six. There's something else for us women to catch a hold of. Real men aren't afraid to ask, especially if it means provision for those they're responsible for. A real man is not going to sit at home on the couch and play video games while you're working, doing all the work. A real man, if he has to, he'll ask another man, can I work with you? Can I clean up for you? Can I take out your trash? Because there's some people that I'm responsible for. Making babies is a lot funner than taking care of them. That's not really right grammar. But a real man knows if those babies have my name and they got my nose and my DNA, I'm not too proud to beg. I may be laid off from here, but I'll find a way to make some money and I'm not afraid to ask another man. Some men, as long as they're working for a woman, they, they don't mind working. But if you got to work for another man because you're so jealous and insecure, you let your baby suffer because you got to ask another man for something. You are crazy. If it means I'm taking care of my kids, I don't mind asking another man for help. Yeah. All right, let's continue to read. David, ask for help. Nothing wrong with asking for help. First Samuel, let me say that again. Nothing wrong with asking for help. First Samuel 25, 9. David's young men gave this message to Nabal in David's name, and they waited for a reply. Verse 10. Who is this fellow David? Nabal sneered to the young men. First thing, now he don't know who David is. Now, maybe this is true. Maybe he just don't know who David is. Now, let's read some more. Who does this son of Jesse think he is? Now, wait a second. You call his daddy by his name. So first you're saying, who is David? Who is his son? You know who he is. You know who his daddy is. You just being petty. Read some more. There are lots of servants these days who run away from their masters. Mm, now look at how Nabal is acting. Now, now we, we know that the story, we know how David has been chased by Saul. And everybody knew Saul was crazy. And David hadn't done anything wrong. But now because David is asking for some help, Nabal's like, I don't even know who you are. I know your daddy, but I don't know you. And by the way, you probably just ran from your master. Now you're making us stuff. Why, why, why are you acting like this, Nabal? Because you got a little means and you got a little money. And I need to say it again. Christian folk, when you get some blessing and you act like you don't know folk and then you Dog folk, something is wrong with your Christianity. Don't God, don't prosper me so much so that I forget who I am and forget where I came from and forget the people that helped me along the way. I got a Rolls Royce, and now I don't know who Trish is. Trish, the loudest person in deliverance, but how am I going to know who she is? I, I'm, I, I'm tripping now. I don't know who she is now because I got a little means. That's what Nabal was doing. And it's not right. And it shows you're not ready to be blessed when you forget folk and you treat people wrong. Amen. 
and you treat them down. Actually, let, let me say this. If you hear some stories, some of the, the people that we celebrate the most, they're called celebrities. If you hear people on the set of the movies and the television shows, I'm not talking about the famous folk. I'm going to talk about the runner people, the people behind the scenes, the people that you don't know about, the, the people uh, on the NBA teams who sweep the locker rooms. Talk to them people. They'll tell you who they really like because not all the celebrities are worth being celebrated. Some of them are just not right, and we don't want to be those type of people. We don't want to be like neighbor. Let's put up point number seven. People who act like they don't know you are who don't know who you are in time of need can't be trusted. Now, I know y'all are Christians, but I need you to watch when a person handles you funny like that. Listen, stop trying to be, stop trying to run up and brown those under people who act like they don't know who you are. You can do bad by yourself. Now, I, sometimes I got a little smart mouth. And one time on my job, uh, someone said, one of the bosses told me something to do. And it was well outside of my realm of responsibility. And I had helped him before, but I realized he was trying to take advantage of me. And I told him, my nose don't get no browner. He happened to be a white boss, and he looked at me. He didn't know what I said. My nose don't get no browner. It's as brown as it's going to get. And basically what I'm saying, I'm black, and I'm not sticking my nose up under you so you can advance me and get me somewhere. Listen, I'd rather be poor than have to run up behind you and kiss your behind. Let me say it like I really wanted to say it. I ain't kissing no tail to keep this job. Slavery days is over. You find somebody else. And guess what? He caught the revelation. And he left me alone. I don't mind doing my job, but don't try to take advantage of me. And just because I'm short don't mean I don't have a little fire left in me and don't mean I won't say a little something. I got to pray because my tongue might get a little looser than I needed to get. But I was letting them know, don't treat me any kind of way. And what I don't understand, women and men, why you stay around somebody who consistently treats you bad just because you think they might bless you later on. Uh-uh, no, 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 no. Don't kiss up under nothing. All you, all you have only responsibility is to serve God and die. Now, my mama used to say it this way, and it's Black History Month, so I can say it. My mama says, you only got one responsibility, be black and die. You ain't got, you ain't got to do nothing for nobody else. Now, we understand that, that there is responsibility, but people, especially people nowadays, will take advantage of you. And just because you're Christian, you don't have to take everything. You, you learn how to say it right. You don't have to be evil, nasty, and mean, but learn how to use your words rightly. Sometimes ask God to touch your email before you send it and say what you need to say to let people know you mean business. All right. First Samuel 25 and 11. This is, he, Nabal keeps responding. Should I take my bread and my water and my meat that I've slaughtered for my shears and give it to a band of outlaws who come from who knows where? Now you know who his daddy is, and now you're talking about who comes from who knows where. These outlaws, these thugs. Isn't it funny how when people don't want to help you, they'll find a way to devalue who you are just so they can be selfish? Instead of just saying, I don't want to do it because I'm selfish, they'll find a way to belittle you and call you any kind of thing. 
And let me say this while I'm talking about it. Stop letting people call our kids thugs just because they dress different than they want them to dress. He got his hat backward on. He just a thug. Just because he turned his hat backward don't mean he a thug. He got A here, or A here, or A here, or A there. And you're going to treat him like a thug just because you don't like the way he dressed? The devil is a lie. You can't call my child any kind of thing. My child is a child of God. He's a child of the king. He may not look like you want him to look, but I don't want my child to look like you, you old Steve Urkel looking self anyhow. I want my child to be unique and be what they supposed to be. It's, it's funny how mouthy people will get when they got the wrong attitude. Now, sometimes we just got to pray that God help us because you, you can't go off every time people call you stuff. But it's, it's different when folks start talking about your children. Listen, I can talk about my children, but don't you talk about them. Now, now, if you're saying things that are real and true, I, I understand that. But some people give our children a worse name than what they should be giving them. We don't have the worst kids in the world. Stop putting names on our kids that don't match their character. This is particularly for just one person in the house. Be like Blake. Be like Blake. Somebody know what I'm talking about. All right, anyway, 1 Samuel 25 and 12. Read that. So David's young men returned and told him what Nabal had said. Okay, look at verse 13. Look at the, just read the first three words of verse 13. This was David's response. Verse 13, you got to go back to 13. Get your swords. Now, some of y'all old people won't recognize this reference. Some of y'all young people won't recognize this reference. But a few of y'all Gen Xers in the middle are going to catch this reference. Basically, David said, gladiators, mount up. <laughs> Some of y'all remember the Above the Rim soundtrack with Nate Dogg and Warren G. And that's what David said. David didn't waste no time. He said, what? Get your swords. You have to understand, David was a warrior at nature. David fought a lion, and he fought a bear, and he fought Goliath, and what he thought about Nabal was nothing. Okay, this is how you want to talk to me. Come on, strap up. We about to go handle some business. All right, read, read the entire of verse 13. Get your swords, was David's reply as he strapped on his own. Then 400 men started off with David, and 200 remained behind to guard their equipment. Now, this is not a point. This is just a side note. Let me throw this in there. Now, at first, David sent his men to ask the question. But when the question came back and he found out that he was talking crazy, David went himself. Men, there are some things you can't send nobody to handle. You got to handle yourself face to face. You said what to my wife? What to my daughter? No, no, I'm, we, we gonna have to have a talk and I'm saved and I'm sanctified, but my nine millimeter gonna be strapped to the back of my thing just in case. Cause there's a few things I just cannot take. I love everybody, but I don't mind having a prison ministry. What do you mean, Pastor Andre? If you molesting my sons, listen, I'm not pastoring in Deliverance Temple no more. I'm gonna be pastoring behind bars because I got some, 
There's some stuff where we're going to have to handle it. I'm not playing with anybody taking advantage of the people that I love. And David said, mount up. We're going to handle some business. Now, I pray it never comes to that. But as men, you got to be prepared to do whatever for the folk that you love. All right, let's let's look at and and, and some of y'all women are with men like that, and you got the nerve to disrespect them. He'll fight for you. He'll go to jail for you, and cause he ain't took out the trash. You call him the worst man in the, in the world. You better learn how to shut your mouth. You got a good man. Somebody would love to snatch your man up, and here you are running your mouth. Uh oh. Let me let me let me get off of that. No point number eight. Real men don't appreciate insults or belittlement. If you can talk any kind of way to your man, woman, you don't have a real man. Or you have an extremely, extremely, extremely patient one. But at some point, you got to learn how to zip your lip. Real men don't appreciate insults or belittlement. All right, let's continue to read. Verse 14. Meanwhile... One of Nabal's servants went to Abigail and told her, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, but he screamed insults at them. Now, we were just reading the story, but this person was on the scene and seen it. And he told Abigail he screamed insults. He didn't just insult. He acted ugly while he was doing it. It's one thing to say stuff to folk. It's another thing just to be ugly about it. Nabal was just, he was wealthy, but he was ugly. I don't know how he physically looked, but his spirit was real ugly. All right, let's look at verse uh, 15. Now, this is out of the person on the scene's mouth, the servant's mouth. Read what he said. These men have been very good to us, and we never suffered any harm from them. Nothing was stolen from us the whole time they were with us. Verse 16. In fact, day and night, they were like a wall of protection to us and the sheep. Oh, we see why David was so ticked off. Because when they needed help, David was there for them, the men and the sheep. David protected everything and it was not his responsibility. And the moment I ask you for some help, you don't know who I am and you're going to extreme insults at me. I love the Lord, but me and you got to have a talk. And that's a real, real man. David was a real man. All right, let's look at point number nine. This goes back to Nabal. Real men don't forget when they were helped. They don't forget that. So you, you, you don't forget when you were helped. Let's continue to read verse 17. You need to know this and figure out what to do. It's interesting. The servant didn't go nowhere near Nabal. He ran to Abigail and said, Abigail, you need to figure out what to do. Read. For there is going to be trouble for our master and his whole family. He's so ill-tempered that no one can even talk to him. He's so ill-tempered. Women, stop getting with these ill-tempered men and men that can't nobody talk to, nobody can reason with. And the servant couldn't even talk to him. He had to go and talk to Abigail and say, you know he crazy. Can't nobody talk to him. And he about to get us all in trouble. 
I remember one time being in Memphis, Tennessee, and not knowing much about Memphis, Tennessee, being in Muncie. I thought the Munciana homes was like the Memphis ghetto, but it was a little bit different. And I just so happened to be with a person who was running his mouth. I guess he hit on some girl, and the girl's person didn't like it, but the girl's person, the girl's boyfriend, happened to be in the gang. Next thing you know, there was about 20 men. I was young. There was boys, but they looked like men to me, coming toward us. And what we said, we didn't say nothing. It was him. You can get out the car and face them. I'm not getting kicked in the tail for you running your mouth. Now, when he first told us the story, he didn't tell us the truth. He said there were some people bothering him. So we went to figure out what the action was, and we found out he was the one doing the bothering. And we all was going to get messed up for one person. And when they start reaching, one, one fellow reached and pulled out a revolver. This is not Muncie, and this is not the Muncieana homes. I don't want to be nowhere near this. Y'all get him, not me. And the servant said, we all going to get in trouble because this ill-tempered man. And let me talk to you young boys. Stop hanging with people who can't keep their cool. We all going to end up in jail because I got one fool on my team. I love you, but you can't hang with me, and I can't hang with you. And some of y'all, y'all don't have your license yet, so you got to ride with folk. Learn how to walk when people are foolish and doing dumb stuff. I will walk. I'll catch the bus. I'm not throwing my life away because you can't keep your cool. The servant ran to Abigail and said, please do something because David don't play. And David is not just going to kill Nabal. David going to tear up everything. And I don't want nothing to do with this. And I ain't mad at him at all. And listen, let me, let me say this. This is another rabbit trail. Let me, let me borrow from uh, Apostle Mitchell. Stop acting like everything is snitching. Let me explain. This is snitching. If y'all both do it, you know you both did it, and then you turn around and you tell on the person so you can get out of trouble. That's snitching. But if one of y'all didn't do it, and they want you to take the rap for it, that's not snitching. That's telling the truth. I ain't got nothing to do with that. That was them. They can go to jail. If they bad enough to do the crime, they can do the time. Leave me out of this. Well, you know snitches get stitches. Listen, I'll take the stitches, but I ain't going to jail for you. Point number 10. Now, this is so beautiful. This is what the servant figured out. Read this. Or I'll say, I'll go ahead and read it. Point number 10. Sometimes the best thing you can do in a situation is find a woman to talk to. Now, I had the women clap for the men, but all you men, will we clap and celebrate our women? Woo! Women! Because sometimes the best thing you can do is find a woman that you can turn to and talk to. Sometimes kids know that. I'm not talking to daddy about this. I'm talking to mama. I love daddy, but daddy, sometimes that, my, my, my own father, when, when his mind was thinking too fast, his mouth would mumble. I'm the same way. We're thinking, 
but we're mumbling. So I asked, Daddy, what do I need to do? <laughs> what do I need to do, Daddy? <laughs> Let me talk to Mama, because I'm talking to Daddy, and I don't know what he's saying. Daddy, I need advice, and by the time I leave Daddy, I don't know what we talked about. And I've noticed I do the same thing sometimes. I'm thinking, but I'm thinking so hard, I'm not speaking the way I'm thinking, and it's not even good to talk to me. Sometimes you need to talk to a woman, a good, sound woman, a woman that knows how to move into action, a woman that knows how to get things done and knows how to handle things. And there's been times I'm so grateful for my father, and I talk about him every service, even now that he's gone, I'm grateful, but I don't want you to underestimate my mama. I'm grateful for my mama too. I tell us another story about, about getting, come to think of it, I don't, I, I, my, my, my lightning fast dumb mind just caught up with it I'm thinking about another situation that happened and now that I think about it, it's the same dude that about got me in trouble in Memphis about got me in trouble in Muncie, Indiana and, and, and he, he was talking running his mouth to some people and the next thing you know they was in Elgin Manor and they chased us all the way back, we're on bikes they're on foot and they chased us all the way back to my house at 1901 North Elgin and I don't know how they ran and we on bikes, and they caught up with us, and they all are entering into my yard, and I was nervous. And the next thing you know, my mama comes on the porch with a broomstick. She said, I don't know who you are, where you come from, and what you want, but y'all better get off of my, my lawn. They all took off running. I was so happy to see my mama and a broomstick. Thank That's God for a broomstick anointing. And she not a witch. She just know how to move into action. And I didn't even talk to her. I didn't even get nothing out of my mouth. She figured out them boys was jumping over the fence and was in our yard. She came out there looking like Mr. Miyagi swinging that broomstick. Thank God for a mother. Amen. All right, let's let's continue to read because it's, it's a whole bunch I, I got to get to. But I don't ever want you to underestimate that woman sitting right there. She means something to me. 1 Samuel 25, 18, would you read? Abigail wasted no time. She did what? Wasted no I time. I love men, but sometimes we slow. We trying to think stuff through. Because we, we really don't want to fly off the handle. But women know how to not waste time and to move into action. Abigail wasted no time. Come on, read. She quickly gathered 200 loaves of bread, two wineskins full of wine, five sheep, that had been slaughtered, nearly a bushel of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, and 200 fig cakes. She packed them on donkeys. Now, Abigail wasn't playing on Facebook all day. She knew how to move into action, and she wasn't pulling no microwave Marie Counter dinner out. She knew how to work with her hands and get something done. Because sometimes the way to a man is, is a couple places, but the way that I can say right now is through his stomach. And I've said it before, but don't be praying for a man and you still burning hot pockets. Learn how to cook. Learn how to do more than ramen noodles. Learn how to do more than Pop-Tarts. Learn how to do something because this woman went into action. I like how she... Now, now they were wealthy. 
They were very wealthy, so she probably had servants who could have done all this for her. But sometimes a woman knows it needs my touch. I'm not outsourcing this. I don't want to cater this. I don't want nobody else touching this. I'm about to put my hands on it. Because when I get done with it, I'll change anything. I can make a war stop because I'm a woman. Powerful woman. Verse 19. And said to her servants, go on ahead. I will follow you shortly. But she didn't tell her husband, Nabal, what she was doing. And also, some women know I'm too good looking to sit this one out. I, I, I'm not saying y'all need to be just flaunted. Let's see if you got it flaunted. We, we know that. That's not necessarily what I'm saying. But if you look good, learn how to use your looks to your advantage. You, you got somebody bothering, and go ahead and put the cam on me. You got somebody bothering your child at school. Don't show up at school with a bonnet on and, and pajama pants. No, put your best outfit on so the principal, if he's a man, he can't, he, he, he gonna treat your son so good, your daughter so good, cause you come in looking good, smelling good. Learn how not to entice people, but if you look good, work what you got. Men are visual. People are visual. Learn how to put yourself together. You got weave hanging one way and weave hanging another way. No, put yourself together and step up in a place and watch everything melt. Watch everybody is mad is just, oh, how you doing? How you doing, Lady Devon? I don't suggest you wearing them to church, but maybe yoga pants might work for you out there in the world. Just learn how to use what you got when you need to. So Abigail said, I ain't going, I ain't letting them go by themselves. I ain't sending these ugly men by themselves. I'm showing up right behind them. Let's look at point number 11. Real women know how to immediately spring into action, fix a problem. And move in silence all at the same time. The Bible says she didn't say nothing to Nabal. She didn't tell him a thing. Women, you don't have to announce everything you're doing. You got to learn how to move in silence and get stuff done. Sometimes you're doing stuff for the household that don't nobody even know you did. You done fixed it. You done done it. And it's six months later for the man re realized, what happened to that bill? Oh, I paid that a long time ago. I just want to take care of it. I want to, I know you do so much. You take care of so much. So I went ahead and took care of it. But wasn't the bill $700? Yeah, I got it. I took care of it. But baby, I didn't know you did it because I, I don't need to tell everything because I know what I'm doing. I know how to keep a man. I know how to have a man. You just got to know how to use all that God has given you. Y'all are somebody special. Stop devaluing yourself. And let me say, this is specifically for you married women or, or women who have somebody. Stop looking at what Hollywood says. If the man has put a ring on your finger, he like you. He like your roles. He like everything about you. Stop trying to impress everybody else and love the one you got. He already crazy about you and you worried about, I don't look like Beyonce. He knew that when he got you. You don't look like Beyonce. He don't look like Idris Elba. He know what it is. It is what it is. We together and I'm happy to be with you. Stop devaluing yourself. And let me say this to you women who are not married and don't have a man. Do the same thing. Stop thinking everybody else looks better than you. Somebody will love you for you. You are somebody too. Everybody don't like Beyonce. 
Everybody don't like this and that. Somebody going to like you for you. So learn how to love you first. And when you love you first, you learn how to take care of you. Stop dieting for somebody else other than you. Stop losing weight so you can stunt on your haters. No, lose weight for you. Buy the dress for you. Look good for you. Wear the purse for you. Don't try to impress anybody but you. But when you impress you, folk will just be impressed with you too. It's just that simple. All right, let's look at verse 20. As she was riding her donkey into a mountain ravine, she saw David and his men coming toward her. So she, she wasn't moving slow. They was moving quick. Verse 21. David had just been saying a lot of good it did to help this fellow. We protected his flocks in the wilderness and nothing he owned was lost or stolen. But he has repaid me evil for good. When you get a man who's talking to himself about what happened to him, he's ready to go into action. David, David was rehearsing what was happening. So David was very, very upset. Verse 22. This is what David vowed. May God strike me and kill me if even one man of his household is still alive tomorrow morning. David said, God, kill me if I don't tear up everything there. David was a warrior, but David wasn't always wrapped too tight. And David was under pressure situation. He was already running from Saul and hadn't done nothing wrong. David was at his wits end. And that's why you got to be careful treating people any kind of way. Because some folk are stressed out and they ready to snap. And you with your ugly attitude is pushing people over the edge. And he was about to push David over the edge. Let's look at point number 12. No one can talk and fix an issue quite like a real woman can. Her words can move mountains and stop wars. Her words can start wars and create mountains. But if you know what you're doing and you are a good woman, a good godly woman, you can change the course of history. And so now because of, of this, I normally don't do this, but I, I usually when I'm, when I'm doing long passages, I skip around so I can keep the story, but the story is too good to skip around. So I want you to flash this on the screen. And what I'm doing, I'm going to read all of these verses. 1 Samuel 25, 23 through 38, which is 15 verses. I'm going to read them myself to make sure that, that we go in an in a expeditious manner. I'm going to try not to give too much information, just read them because the story can speak for itself. But I do want to leave this point, and this will help us as we move into this. The unmatched power... Of an honorable woman. I'm still talking about relationship nuggets. But I'm talking about real men. And real women. And here we're going to see the unmatched power. Of an honorable woman. And honorable women. And since I have more women in the church than men. I'm really trying to drop this in. Y'all have something special. And if you learn how to array yourself. With godliness and wisdom. That it's amazing what y'all can do. Let me, let me say it this way. This church could be filled up. We could build all kinds of buildings if the women get on fire. 
I know the men need to do stuff because we're leaders, but let me tell you something. Nothing worked. There's no major move of God that didn't happen without women moving. When God got up out of the ground and pulled his son up out of the ground, the first thing he went to was women because once the women got a hold of it, the whole world was changed. Women, you can make a difference if you're honorable. I'm not here, I'm not mad at Cardi B, but don't nobody need to know about your WAP and all this and that. They need to know about how honorable you are, how powerful you are, and what you can do and how you can make a difference. Don't let social media age fool you. You're more than just a BBL. You are somebody in God. Don't be tricked by the foolishness. All right, we're going to read this, and guys, stay, stay with me. I'm going to try to go pretty quick. 1 Samuel 25, 23. Abigail intercedes for Nabal. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed low before him. 24, she fell at his feet and said, I accept all blame in this matter, my Lord. Please listen to what I have to say. Now, we read the story. She had no blame in it at all, but she was so wise and so honorable. Verse 25, I know Nabal is a wicked and ill-tempered man. Please don't pay any attention to him. He is a fool, just as his name suggests. But I never even saw the young men you sent. So when I studied out, I found out that the name Nabal actually means one who is foolish. And so she said, listen, listen, he, he, he crazy. His name means he's crazy. But it's my fault because I should have caught the men before they ever got to him. Let's look at verse 26. Now my Lord, as surely as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, since the Lord has kept you from murdering and taking vengeance into your own hands, let all your enemies and those who try to harm you be as cursed as Nabal is. Now first of all, David had never said he wasn't going to keep murdering, but she was speaking by faith because she was an honorable, powerful good-looking, smart, mindful woman. Let's look at verse 27. And here is a present that I, your servant, have brought to you and your young men. Verse 28. Please forgive me if I have offended you in any way. I, I said I wasn't going to say too much, but some of y'all women are too prideful to talk like this. You don't know anything about submission. You don't know how to talk to a man. All you know how to do is roll your neck and roll your eyes and put your hand on your hip. But you got to learn how to know there's certain people you can't talk to any kind of way. And, and Abigail didn't have nothing to do with it. But she said, my Lord. I, I, listen, it's, it's the fool. Don't pay attention to the fool. In other words, she said, look at me. Take your attention off the crazy one and look at me. It's something special about you, David. It's something when a woman speaks to your soul, it does something to you. It disarms you. It drops your anger. If you want some of these men to stop being so angry, start talking to a man the way a man needs to be talked to. All right, let me get back to this. Verse 28. Let's go back to 28 again. Please forgive me if I have offended you in any way. The Lord will surely reward you with a lasting dynasty for you are fighting the Lord's battles and you have not done wrong throughout your entire life. Abigail, you lying. David had done some wrong. But Abigail knew how to talk. You're the finest man I've ever met. I know you're lying. I know I ain't the finest man you ever met. But keep on talking that. 
You tall, dark, and handsome. I'm five foot eight. I ain't tall, dark, and handsome, but keep on talking. Baby, know how to talk to a man. Verse 29. Even when you are chased by those who seek to kill you, your life is safe in the care of the Lord your God, secure in his treasure pouch. But the lies of your enemies will disappear like stones shot from a sling. I love they, I mean, I love Devin, but I wish Abigail could talk to me. I like the way this girl is talking. Verse 30. When the Lord has done all he promised and has made you leader of Israel, speaking into the prophetic nature of him. Verse 31. Don't let this be a blemish on your record. In other words, David, you're going somewhere. And you can't let a fool mess up your record. You're going somewhere, David. You may not see it, but I see in you. And now let, let me pause for a minute and talk to you mothers, talking to your sons. Talk to your sons the way Abigail talked to David. Don't let this be a blemish on your record. I know you had a bad game, but bounce right back. I know you got a C, but you still can do it. I know you messed up, but you can make it. I know you had a baby, but you still a good boy. You still a good man. Learn how to speak life into the folk you love alright back to the verse verse 31 don't let this be a blemish on your record then your conscience won't have to bear the staggering burden of needless bloodshed and vengeance and when the Lord has done these great things for you please remember me your servant she had another motive and ain't nothing wrong with that either verse 32 David replied to Abigail praise the Lord the God of Israel who has sent you to meet me today. Verse 33. Thank God for your good sense. Remember she was beautiful but the Bible says she was sensible and beautiful. Bless you for keeping me from murder and from carrying out vengeance with my own hands. Verse 34. For I swear by the Lord the God of Israel who has kept me from hurting you that if you had not hurried out to meet me not one of Nabal's men would still be alive tomorrow morning. She didn't have time to waste and she knew it. And David said, I'm glad you met me because I was about to tear up some stuff. I was about to knock you for your buck. <laughs> I was about to get it. First Samuel 25, 35. Then David accepted her present and told her, return home in peace. I have heard what you said. We will not kill your husband. Verse 36, when Abigail arrived home, she found that Nabal was throwing a big party and was celebrating like a king. He had no idea the danger he was in, just as dumb as dumb could be. He was very drunk, so she didn't tell him anything about her meeting with David until dawn the next day. She let him party. And some, some of y'all dumb boyfriends and dumb husbands, you think your woman don't know nothing. You just partying. She know a whole lot more than you think she know. She done been through your phone and know a whole bunch of stuff. You think you're getting over. You, you really can't get over on no real, real intelligent woman. So here, he, Nabal just doing his thing. She waited him to, for him to sober up, and she told what happened. Verse 37. In the morning when Nabal was sober, his wife told him what had happened. As a result, he had a stroke. And he lay paralyzed on his bed like a stone. Nabal was talking big stuff. But when he found out the danger he was in, he had an immediate stroke and was paralyzed. Verse 38. 
about 10 days later, the Lord struck him and he died. Here's something for men to understand. You don't have to fight your battles because God's already on the case. See, David would have went and did all the killing and killed all the men, but it wasn't really all the men's fault. It was Nabal's dumb fault. And God was going to get Nabal, but David was getting ready to get in there and mess up. So sometimes you just got to pause and let God do the work. And so he had a stroke and he died 10 days later. Coming to a close, let's look at this final point. This is the final point, point 13. No one can move the wrong one out and put the right one in quite like God. This is both for the men and the women. If you're hooked up with the wrong thing, don't get in a hurry. Let God do it. God will move one out and move one in. And stop chasing after the wrong and sit still long enough for God to move out and move in. God will do it. So let's read the rest of the story. And I skipped one or two verses here just so that we can come to a close. But I'm going to have Mother Mitchell come back and read 1 Samuel 25, 39. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, praise the Lord, who has avenged the insult I received from Nabal and has kept me from doing it myself. Nabal has received the punishment for his sin. I didn't even have to get my hands dirty. Let me prophetically say, there's some stuff you're faced with, you're not even going to have to get your hands dirty. God getting ready to step in and take care of it. No, don't you do it. You're going to mess it up. God going to step in and do it for you. Let's go back to that verse. The last part of that verse. Then David sent messengers to Abigail to ask her to become his wife. Oh, by the way, Abigail, since God moved him out the way and you are now available, what do you think about? Oh, uh, Abigail went from a fool to a king. In the matter of moments, because she was wise. It wasn't her fault she was trapped with a fool. I told you how marriages were back there. And some of y'all, you didn't know you had a fool until it was too late. Now the papers is already written. You really don't want to go through the divorce. You don't want to get your name changed. You don't want to go through all that trouble. You just stuck with a fool. I ain't saying God going to kill your husband. That ain't what I'm saying. But God know how to move one out and move one in. Just trust the Lord. Verse 40. When the messengers arrived at Carmel, they told Abigail, David has sent us to take you back to marry him. Oh, no, I'm still mourning over this fool I got. Some people just love a fool. And when finally, finally, when God remove a fool, they cry over the fool. You cry for God to remove the fool. He removed the fool. Oh, God, I ain't got no man. You didn't have a man to begin with. But look what, look what she said. Let's look at verse 42. I love Abigail. Read this. Quickly getting ready. You ain't, got, you ain't got to waste a whole lot of time with me, baby. I get ready. I got a wedding dress in the closet. I'll snatch it out, put it on. When I meet you, I'll be dressed. I got bridesmaids ready. I got a cake ordered. Listen, I'm ready. <laughs> Quickly getting ready. Come on, read, look at what it says. She took about five of her servant girls as attendants. She already had, she already had the wedding party planned out. Mounted, mounted her donkey and went with David's messengers. And so she became his wife. Just like that. Look at your neighbor and say, just like that. 
this ain't this ain't Bible. I'm closed. This ain't Bible. This is ludicrous. This is ludicrous. When I move, you move. Just like that. Come on, God. When I move and allow God to do his thing, God will move. And it'll be just like that. And let me prophesy. Some of y'all, it, it's not going to take as long as you think. It looks bad now, but God getting ready to turn your relationship situation around. And I'm about to be doing more weddings and I'm doing funerals. We about to be celebrating. God going to give us some good men and some good women to the glory of the Lord. And having said all that, happy Valentine's Day. Let's rise to our feet. And let us pray. Just to let you know, my wife had to travel to Indianapolis to be with her grandfather. And so that's why she left a little early. But I will say I have a good woman. And I'm grateful for her. And y'all have a good co-pastor. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you, God, you are developing real men and real women. And God, I pray that these relationship nuggets will get in our spirit and give us something to go off of so we can be the people that we need to be. God, I thank you for the Davids and the Abigails in my, our midst. And I curse the spirit of Nabal. I curse the foolish ideas. We don't want to be foolish and lazy. We want to be kings and queens. And God, let us operate like that in this latter day. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Much love to you all. You are dismissed. Have a great, marvelous, and wonderful week.